We begin today, Shir, three lines from the top at the very beginning of the Gemara after the Mishnah. In our Mishnah, we had seen a controversy between a man and a woman. The woman claiming that when she had originally been married, she was a basula, a virgin, entitling her to a ksuba of 200 zuz. The husband uh, or his family contested that and said, no, uh, you were an almona when you were married, and therefore I owe you only 100. And Almona being a widow, I married you as a widow. And that entitles her to a ksuba of only 100 zuz. The Mishnah said that if there are witnesses that saw her go to her wedding with a hinuma, a veil on, then she is entitled to her claim of 200 zuz. Taimo di'ikwa edim. The Gemara says that the reason she would win is only if she has witnesses supporting her claim. Haleko edim. If there would be no witnesses, Baal mehemon, then the husband would be believed in his claim in denying her having been a basula and rather claiming that she was an almona. We take a look at Rashi. Habal Mehemon, three lines from the top. Velo Amrinon, and we do not say, We do not say the following. Since we're in doubt regarding her wedding day, was she a virgin or was she already married to previously? Establish her on her original status. And originally she was a basula. All that we do not say. It would then appear that our Mishnah, an unnamed Mishnah, which generally speaking is authoritative, is unlike the opinion of Ramgamliel. For if it was in accordance with Ramgamliel, we've already seen in the last couple of Dapim and three different Mishnayas where Ramgamliel granted the woman believability over the man contesting her, over the husband's uh, protest or contest against her claims. So is our Mishnah then to be understood as not in accordance with Ramgamliel? The Gemara says not so. Afilu temo Rabon Gamliel. You can say that our Mishnah is in accordance with Rabon Gamliel. It's up till now, Rabon Gamliel said what he did, namely giving the woman believability, Ella Bibori Vishema. That's when she was coming from a claim of certainty. Bori means without a doubt. And the husband was ch- challenging her with a Shema, with a claim of doubt, which means uh, uh, I'm not sure, but. She was saying, I'm sure I was this and this, whatever the issue was in the previous Mishnayas. So in a case where the woman's claim is one of bori, of certainty, against a husband's claim of, of a doubtful nature, she wins out. But here, when you have a case of two clear claims, two definitive definite claims one against the other there, like in our case, Rabban Gamliel would not say she is believed. In fact, this difference is so striking that 
we wonder what was in the mind of the questioner at the beginning of this Gemara that suggested that our Mishnah would not be in accordance with Ram Gamliel. Udakori law, my Kori law, when asking the question, suggesting that it wasn't in accordance with Ram what was he thinking? What was his Havamina to say that our Mishnah is not like Ram Gamliel? Ha, bari hu, bari hu. This is so different from the previous cases. This is a case where the husband's challenge is with equal certainty as that which the wife is saying. The Gemara answers, and again we emphasize, we're explaining a Havamina, we're explaining what he was thinking when he raised this question, the lame question. The following is the explanation. Kevon de Roiv Nosha Besulos Niso, since the majority of women that marry, marry as virgins. And she was claiming that she was a virgin. Kibori Vishema Domi, it's like, it's as if her taina, her claim is stronger. It's as if her claim is a bori versus the husband, which is just a notch down, we're calling it a shema. Hence, our Gemara said, even so, uh, we don't say that. Even so, it's considered a bori the bori. There's a little note we made on the side of the Gemara. There's a starred note which reads, Later in the Gemara, this very question will be raised. Why is it that we don't believe her? After all, you do. There is a majority that would be backing up her taina, her claim. But for our purposes, it's, that does not figure, and it's two definite claims, one against the other, and therefore she doesn't automatically win unless she's capable of bringing witnesses that can testify that her, hers was a wedding of a basula. As we go on in the Gemara, we have a structural note, the Mivneh, the double underline appears. This is Havlotas, we're uh, highlighting the phrase Hochinaim Mistabra, a an attempt to uh, show that Rabbi Gamliel, in fact, is modeh, that the Baal is believed. Rabbi Gamliel concedes over here that the Baal, that the husband is believed. And the double underline that follows is Dechiyosa, then a rejection of this uh, attempted support. Now the Gemara. Vahochinami Mistabra, it's also very likely that Rabbi Gamliel is modeh that here the Baal, the husband, is believed, which uh, is a, a departure from his previous uh, opinions in the previous Mishnahs, where he was believing the woman's claim. Midekotani, how is this likely that Rabbi Gamliel is Mogeh, that Rabbi Gamliel is conceding here? From the fact that it says in our Mishnah, Umoide Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Yoshua just so happened to be Rabbi Gamliel's opponent in the previous Mishnahs toward the end of the first parak. In our Mishnah, you see explicitly Rabbi Yoshua concedes. E Amris Bishlama Ayri Rabbi Gamliel Bamode. If you say that our Mishnah represents Rabbi Gamliel's conceding to what would appear to be Rabbi Yeshua's standpoint, who was always giving, believe, granting believability to the husband. 
So, I understand Shapir means it makes sense then that later in the Mishnah, Rabbi, Rabbi Yeshua is then Moda as well. He also concedes. If you deny that, if you don't say that Ramamliel is engaged in conceding, Rabbi Yeshua Laman Moda, who is Rabbi Yeshua in this Mishnah being Moda to? To whom is he conceding? So the Gemara now says that uh, logic or that reasoning is not certain. Mi Savris Rabbi Yeshua Ahai Pirkin Koi. Who says that Rabbi Yeshua, uh, in, in his being Mode, is referring to something right over here in this parak? Not so. It's not as if Rabbi Gamliel opens up the Mishnah being Mode to Rabbi Yeshua and then Rabbi Yeshua responds with his conceding back to Rabbi Gamliel. Rather, amigu koi, v'apirkin kamo koi. That which Rabbi Yoshua is being mode is in light of that which was in the first parak, where the woman had made tainus, had made claims in which she had amigu. We explained this at some length in our previous year. A type of claim or maybe uh, two dapim ago, it's a type of claim that a person makes where they could have made even a better claim. So we believe them in what they say right now. Because they could have said something better. So that in the first parak, we noticed that a woman had a claim like that. We call the migu type claim. And, then, and it didn't work for her in the mind of Rabbi, Yishmael, of, Rabbi, of Rabbi Yoshua. So there, the Migu claim of the woman did not work. But in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yoshua's moda, he concedes that the Migu here would work. That's the, the essence of what Rabbi Yoshua is doing over here when he says he is being moda. Before going any further in the Gemara itself, I would like now to learn a piece of Rashi uh, fr- that deals with the first stage of the Gemara, where it was thought that it's likely that Rabbi Gamil is being mode to Rabbi Yeshua by virtue of the fact that you see Rabbi Yeshua being mode as well. The Rashi, uh, across from uh, Rashi Dibur Masfil, E Amris Bishlama Ayri Ramgamliel Bamode, the Hach Resha, the beginning of our Mishnah, Hoidahu, the Kamoida Ramgamil Rabbi Yeshua, where we though there was no name in the beginning of Mishnah, it was Rabagamliel conceding to Rabbi Yeshua Vyomar and saying, Afagav the Paligna Allah Bibori Vishema, even though I disagree with you in a case of a husband versus a wife where the wife has a taina of bori, a clear taina, and the husband has a claim of a doubtful nature, that in a case like that, the woman wins. Modina loch, I will concede to you, the bori u bori, 
where the husband will win. Just like you were saying all along, even in Bari Vishema, that the husband wins. In a case of Bari Bari, I will concede to you that the husband wins. Hainu Deshayech Lemisni Basrei, with that in mind that Rabbi Gamliel here, though unnamed, is in effect the speaker and conceding to Rabbi Yoshua. It makes sense that that which follows, Rabbi Yeshua, where Rabbi Yeshua is modeh to whom? To Rabbi Gamliel. That wasn't stated explicitly, that's what we're extrapolating. The Afagav, the Paligna, the Perakamo, even though I, Rabbi Yeshua, argued in the first parak, in a case where a woman claimed that after I was already married to you, the husband, I was then raped. But since at the time of my marriage I was still a virgin, I'm entitled to a full ksuba. The, and and uh, the woman, when she says, Mishirastani Nenasti, the Afagav, the equal to Meimar Migu, even though that claim that she makes had a better claim, there was a better claim for her to make, which we call the Migu situation. Lo, Mehemna, there I said, says Rabbi Yeshua, I did not grant her believability. Modino behind Migu, the boy Shosik. In this Migu type claim, I will concede that I bought it from your father. So that, whereas in the first parak, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua was not mode to Rabbi Gamliel in the in giving believability to a woman who says Mishirastani Nenasti with her Migu claim Rabbi Yishu was not conceding the power of her claim though she had a Migu and this Migu type claim in our Mishnah where a guy pops out of the blue and says to some fellow you know this field was your father's but I bought it from him in this Migu I will believe him I'll believe him that he bought it from the guy's father so that would explain then that our Mishnah could have been authored by Rabbi Gamliel. And all of this is based on the presence of the expression Umodeh Rabbi Yoshua. For the fact that Rabbi Yoshua is being Modeh supposedly to Rabbi Gamliel, it must be that Rabbi Gamliel was the opening of the Mishnah being Modeh to Rabbi Yoshua giving the husband believability. Then, as we saw, the Gemara says, who says that that's, that Rabbi Yeshua, in his being modeh, is reacting to the opening speaker of the Mishnah in this parak? No! Rabbi Yeshua, in his being modeh, is re- reacting, reflecting back on that which happened in the first parak. In the first parak, Rabbi Yeshua denied the, the power of the Migu claim. Here, he is conceding to the power of the Migu claim. We uh, take a look at Rashi. Amigu koi. Aplukto diiko lemeimar bo Migu. The parakama koi. In a controversy between husband and wife, uh, where there was a claim on her part that was a Migu type claim. Even though I disagreed, not granting the Migu claim credence in the first parak, but Migu Modina. In the Migu over here, I am Mode. So from this 
approach, we don't see then that the ratio is necessarily Rabon Gamliel conceding the believability, in this case, of the husband. Now, we turn back to the Gemara. You notice we have a very long bracketed section. The starred note on the side where we've written Hezber Hasograyim. The explanation of this long bracketed section, why is it bracket why is it in brackets? Besochasograyim Gemara Mechapeses Mokur Miperak Aleph. The Gemara will be looking within this bracketed section for a source from the first parak where you see a claim that had along with it a potential better claim and even so even though a person making the claim was uh, sticking his neck out with the current claim because it, uh, 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 where he could have used a better claim and still Rabbi Yeshua doesn't, is, not, is not swayed is not uh, uh, convinced by that Finding such a source where Rabbi Yeshua did not concede the power and validity of the claim that had a nigo aspect to it will be the basis of rejecting the Hochinami Mistabra. After the bracketed section, Hagemora Choizeres Levarer Ma Shenemar Liel. The Gemara goes back to that which was stated earlier. The Even though the majority of women marry as Besulos. If the woman in our case does not have witnesses that she was a virgin, witnesses that say she went out to her wedding as a virgin would go with the veil on or her hair hanging loose. If she doesn't have witnesses to that effect, she would not be believed, even though her claim is buttressed by the rove, the majority of women. Now that the superstructure has been presented, let's go into the Gomorrah text. Uh, the topic heading that we have assigned here reads even though Rabbi Yeshua in the first parak did not believe the Migu claim here in our Mishnah where the person issues a uh, uh, a statement whereby he said you know uh, this field uh, belonged to your father's to your father but I bought it from him believe him when he says that because he could have remained silent and nothing would have happened as the, the uh, fellow to whom he was speaking had no idea as to uh, the background of the field now the Gemara in the, uh, at the beginning of the bracketed section Ahay when the Gemara had mentioned that Rabbi Yeshua is reflecting back onto a Migu in the first parak which he did not accept where is that? Ah, hey, on what is that? If and the triangles are explained under the Mivneh heading Chipus Achar Mokor Beperakamo Debo Yesh Taina Imigu Vafilo Hachin Rabbi Shua Lo Hoyel. A search right now for a source from the first Perak, a Tanaic source in which there was a claim that we call a Migu claim 
And even so, Rabbi Yeshua said it was ineffective. So where is that? The Gemara says, If you think it's from the following, uh, We encountered a woman that was pregnant and we asked her, what's the nature of the child? What's his lineage? And she says, He is a child of pure descent. And he's, if it's a girl, he could even marry a Kayin. Rabbi Eliezer said she's believed and Rabbi Yeshua said she's not believed. And the, in presenting this, we, uh, we're trying to say, here the woman had a claim that she made and she could have made even a, a better claim. The Gemara asks, what's the better claim over here? What migu does she have? She's She's locked into her position. Literally, her belly is between her teeth. That means she's pregnant. She doesn't have a, a better claim to make. She couldn't, for example, say, um, believe me when I tell you that, this, uh, that the fetus is, uh, is a, a, of kosher lineage because uh, I could have told you that I was not participant in intimacy. That's a joke. What do you mean? She's pregnant. She doesn't have a better claim. Ella? Aha, try the following. Raula medaberes im echad. The omrula mativo shel ishzeh. We saw a woman medaberes. We spent a lot of time on this in the first parak, as far as the definition of that word. We saw a, a woman medaberes. Either it meant going into private, or we saw an act of intimacy. Machlokes in the first parak ziiri and ravasi. So we saw a woman medaberes im echad. The Omrulon, we asked her, Mativo shel ishzeh. What's the nature of the fellow that uh, either you went into private with or you had relations with? And she says, Ishploni v'kainu. He was a pure, a man of pure lineage. Ramliel v'rabozor omer ne'amenes. She is believed. Rabbi Yeshua omer a omer lo mi pionachem. We don't live according to her words. We don't believe her. So. Here you have the woman making a claim, and supposedly she, uh, we should, uh, uh, we should believe her because she could have made a better claim. And even so, Rabbi Yeshua is not accepting her. my What migu did she have though? Did she have a better claim she could have made? So uh, we have a an angular brackets. In the angular brackets, we're going to tell you as follows that. Yeah, the, according to Ziri, she uh, had a better claim she could have made. But according to Rav Asi, she didn't have a better claim she could have made. So, as far as Rav Asi is concerned, this would not be a source in which the woman had a migutaina that Rabbi Yeshua was rejecting. Uh, we have a, a note that uh, explains this, and the starred notes. So, Graham Lashem Dilug. The brackets here are really for initial skipping purposes. After the brackets, we continue to see another triangle, seeking out a source in which there was a migu taina that Rabbi Yeshua did not accept. The Gemara will point out in the brackets that this source 
is an example of a migu type taina, but only according to Ziri. In other words, that's not enough. We need to find a migu that would satisfy Ravasi as well. So now within the brackets, this source could represent a claim of a migu nature according to Ziri. The translation of the word Medaberis, we saw her Medaberis, means we saw a woman go into privacy with another man, into seclusion with another man. Migu di Baya Omra Lonivalti, since she could have said, I didn't have relations at all. She says, yes, I went into seclusion, I had relations with him, but he's a kosher man. That would be reason for believing her claim. Because, once again, she could have said, I never had, I never had relations. But what did she opt to say? She opted to start off with a comment that was not good for her, by saying, yes, I had intimacy, but he's a kosher man. According to Rav Asi that said the word Medaberis was a euphemism for actual intimacy and that's what was witnessed. People saw, saw her in, a, in an act of intimacy with some unknown guy. My Migu Ika. What, what could she claim? She, she can't claim, believe me in what I say because I could have said I didn't have intimacy. That's what they saw though. Vielo Aho. So from this source we see a Migu. She claims, I am not a virgin because of impact. So in that part of her, the female anatomy, she experienced impact from some foreign substance. She was hit by a, by a piece of wood. And that caused the loss of her virginity. And the husband said back to her, Well, what do you mean? You had intimacy with some other man. Rabban Gamli of Rabbi Lazar Omrim, Nehemenes, Rabbi Shomer Lobmi Pionu Chayim. The there's the the difference between what the woman is saying and what the husband is responding has to do with uh, with how much would he end up having to pay for the ksuba. She's going for in her claim of Mukaseitzani. She's going for she's claiming uh, much more than what the husband is saying in response. And Rabbi Yeshua says, that though Rabbi Gamliel or Rabbi Lazar say she is believed, Rabbi Yeshua says we don't base ourselves, we don't listen to her. Well, what else could she have said that we should believe her when she says Again, like we had before, this is essentially the problem with the source. There's no Migu over here. And that's why if you skip the angular brackets, you see Eloaha. And the next source, we will try to see a Migu. Now within the angular brackets, just like we saw structurally in the section before, that in fact there is a possible Migu here, but that's only according to one opinion. We'll see according to Rebbe Lozer, there is a Migu here. But according to Rebbe Yochan, there isn't, there isn't a Migu. So it doesn't represent a case of Rebbe Yoshua rejecting a Migu Taina, which is what we're looking for. So now the in the brackets. Bishlam Allah Rebbe Yolozor, the Yomar, according to Rebbe Lozer, who said in the first parak 
that the husband and wife here are arguing b'mona v'lo klum. She's going, in her claim of mukas ani, she's saying, I uh, want you to pay me the hundred zuz that are due to me, and he's saying, "What are you? I'm not paying you anything. It, this is a you were with another man, and then the whole wedding is a mistake. It's all off." So, according to Rebel Lazar, by her claiming she's a mukas eight, she's in effect putting a claim in for a hundred zuz. Since she could have said. You know, I am a victim of a, of a Mukas Eitz after having already been married to you as a Basula. And since at the point I married you, I was entitled to 200. Vikomran, she is voluntarily saying a weaker claim. She's saying, Me'ikora, I am a Mukas Eitz before I married you. The Lesla Elamona, where she's claiming altogether just 100 Zeus, Mehenna. With that, we could believe her. When she says, you know, before, you're saying I was with another man. No, you got it wrong. I was, before we got married, I, I, had, I took a bad fall, and I experienced impact, and that's what knocked out my virginity. And uh, therefore, I want you to pay me a hundred. You know, you should believe me because I could have just as I, just, I could have just as well said, after we got married, I experienced that impact, and you you owe me two hundred. According to Rabbi Yochanan, in this mish, the Mishnah here of Mukas uh, versus the husband's counterclaim Trusas Ishad, she's going for the whole bank when she says Mukas She is claiming. And as in Mukas she is entitled to 200. Uh, Rabbi Yochanan had explained that the Mishnah is in accordance with Rabbi Meir, who says that a Mukas does not lose, does not lose out uh, in the uh, ksuba in the uh, ksuba amount. So, therefore, her claim of uh, Mukas whether she was uh, Mukas before she got married or Mukas after she already got married, there would be no difference as far as Rabbi Yochanan's approach to that matter. So there's no Miku. She doesn't, her claim right now of saying Mukas isn't believable because she could have claimed something even more beneficial for herself. Elo Aho. Where is there a case of a Miku that Rabbi Yeshua rejects? The following. Note that we have a long answer. Again, from the first parak, a man marries a woman and finds that she's not a virgin. She says that uh, after I was married to you, I was then raped. And nistachvase means that it's your loss, and you'll have to pay me the full two hundred because at the point of marriage I was a basula, and I'm entitled to the two hundred zuz. And the husband says, "Loki you lost your virginity before uh, you were you were raped before I married you, and uh, and it's it's all uh, and it, and for, and I don't I therefore don't have to pay you the full two hundred. Rabbi What do you see here? Rabbi Yeshua is rejecting her claim. What migu is there? The migu di bayomra mukaseitzani tachtecha. The low. 
this woman says, after I was already married to you, I was raped. And the halacha is that a, 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 a married woman, even if she's married to a non-Kohen, but if she is raped as a married woman, eventually, if she becomes a widow, she is not allowed to marry a Kohen. That's what this means. She's, with her claim, she's disqualifying herself from ultimately marrying a Kohen. If she had said that I experienced impact after marry, marrying you, and that's what knocked out my basulim, a claim like that doesn't render her unqualified to marry a Kohen. And what does she say? She says a, she actually says, a, puts forward a claim that does ruin her chances of ever marrying a Kohen. The Kohen nasti, the nafsha so the woman's claim is a migu type claim. You know, you should believe me when I say that after we were already married, I was raped because I could have said that I was the victim of impact. That wouldn't have caused me to become disqualified from the kuna. Because of that, Rangamliel granted her believability because of her convincing type claim, the Kaomer Rabbi Yeshua to Ramliel, Rabbi Yeshua says to Ramliel, "Behai migu dehacha modina loch." With regard to the migu in our Mishnah, where a fellow comes up to a stranger and says, "You know the field over here? This was your father's." And the stranger knew nothing about it. Says, "This was your father's, but I and I bought it from him, so you're not entitled to anything." Here, I believe him that the, that the, the speaker uh, is the owner of the field by virtue of the fact that he bought it from the guy's father. But regarding the Migu over there, the woman and her claim that she was uh, she was merely uh, that she was raped after the, the, they had married, there I don't believe her. The Gemara asks, Mifti, hai migu, vahai migu, maishno, hai migu, mai hai migu. We have two examples of migu type claims. Claims that are made where a better claim could have been made, both in the case of Mishirastani and Nasi, in the case of Sadezushal Avichalisa. Why are we making a distinction? What is the difference between the Migu over here that Rabbi Yeshua is willing to accept and the Migu type claim in the first parak that Rabbi Yeshua rejected? More answers. Hacha, in our Mishnah, where the guy pops out with information, Mamish, out of the blue, he says, uh, you know, this field was your father's. And he's talking to some fellow that has no clue about what the, field, the uh, origin of the field was. Hacha ain shor shochut lefonecha. This is a borrowed expression. There's, there's no, there's no, you know, there's an expression where there's smoke, there's fire, where there's some grounds for suspicion. There's already there's something more to it. Here, there's nothing. Literally, there's no slaughtered ox in front of you. There's no evidence of uh, uh, on which the listener could have thought anything other than that which the speaker is, is saying. However, Hasam in the First parak, Shor Shochut Lefanecha. There was already something suspicious 
that existed before any claims were made. And what was that? The fact that the husband there did not find her to be a virgin. We can go over the Rashi. Let's go over it together. A few lines up from here, the Rashi Hocha. We have diamonds in the Rashi. Gabi Sode. In the case of the Migu Tainan Hour Mishnah, regarding the field, ain't Shor Shochot. There's no slaughtered ox in front of you. There's no grounds of any suspicion. That should arise in the mind of the owner. If you have, let's say, a, a slaughtered ox, the owner can come along and the, if, he, if he sees a slaughter, he sees his ox slaughtered, he comes and asks, well, who did this? I didn't want to slaughter the ox. But in the case of the field, there was no basis for any suspicion arousal in the first place. Klomar, in Shosak Zeh, if the speaker in our Mishnah would have remained silent, and there would have been no one protesting the ownership of the field, Hilkoch Ilav, the Dover Poshet who Shalokhaim, and if not for the fact that it's obvious that the speaker actually did purchase it from this fellow's father, he wouldn't have opened his mouth saying, Shalokhaim, Hey, you know, this field was your father's. You sort of made things terrible for him. No one, no one suspected it was the guy's father's to begin with. Therefore, we believe him on the basis that he could have taken a better path and simply remained silent. But in the case of a man who discovers that his wife is no longer a virgin, there's, the, there's already the suspicion in front of you before any claims are made. Basulim Shalomotsala. What's the suspicion? The absence of the Basum, the absence of the virginity. Haini Situ, they prompted him, Lovola Basin, to approach the court. Even though she has a better claim than the one she makes, Lo Amrinon, we do not say Migu. The Dilma Lo first of all, it might not have occurred to her to make the better claim. Inami Arume Komarma, or possibly she's using subterfuge by 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 using the weaker claim, thinking that she'll be able to convince us with the by the fact that she had a better claim. But all of this is is weak because it's coming on the heels of a pre-existing point of suspicion. We continue with the Gemara four lines from the bottom after the bracketed section. Before we do so, we glance at the side under the where we have our no say our topic heading Loma Haroiv shall roiv Noshim Besulos Nisos. Why is it that the majority factor, namely the majority of women, marry as virgins? Lo Moil Lo Isha, it doesn't stand in good in, in the good stead of this woman, Negatinus Abal, against the husband's counterclaim, Shitayin Almonisatih, who's claiming that I married you as a widow already. The Gemara. The cave on the rove Noshim Besulos Nisais. Since that's object, an objective fact that the majority of women marry as Besulos, Kilo Asu Aidim Ayave. Even if witnesses don't come telling us that we saw this lady enter her marriage with a veil as is the custom of uh, virgins, even without the witnesses. So what? Why shouldn't we believe her? Her claim is based, is buttressed by a rove, a majority. 
Omar Ravino. Ravino explains. Now he's going to say something that the Gemara will have to refine later. But initially he says as follows. There is grounds for saying, in, tr- in fact, the majority of women marry as Basulos. There's a minority of women that marry as widows. And each and every single girl that marries as a Basula, it is spoken about. It's popular knowledge. Everyone knows. Rashi says, There are a lot of people that know that the Abasula had entered her marriage with the Hinumot, the veil. Vezu, the Gemara continues at the top of Omid Beis. Vezu, the woman in our Mishnah, she comes with her claim that I was a Basula, but there was no one speaking about it. No one was testifying. The Mishnah said, but if she can find witnesses, but until that point she doesn't have witnesses. She doesn't have, there's no kul, there's no, there's no evidence. Kul literally means there's no sound, there's no voice, there's no one saying that she was a Basula. So Isra la Ruba, it weakens the rove for her purposes. Once again, a true Basula wedding is something people would have spoken about. In, with regard to this woman in the Mishnah, no one was speaking about her as having had a Basula wedding. Meaning, she wasn't a Basula. Therefore, she cannot plug in to the rove to buttress her claim. The rove is not only, well, just to repeat that, the rove is, is not just that the majority of women, physically speaking, are virgins when they get married. But the rove states that all those that marry as virgins, people talk about it. And in this case, no one talked about her as having married as a basula. The Gemara asks. Now here's a, a technical question on the way, on, on the wording of uh, Ravina. He called Hanise's Basula Yeshlo Kurl. If this is a hard and set fact that every single virgin marriage is accompanied by a Kurl, by people speaking about it, and this one in our Mishnah, she doesn't have that Kurl, Ki Osu Edim Maihave, even if witnesses would show up later saying that she went to her marriage with a veil on, so what? How would, why should she win? The Mishnah said if she, if she could produce witnesses, she'll win. But why? These are liars. Here it's got a woman that no one, there's no kill, there's no public knowledge of her wedding, of having been a basula type wedding. So, according to the way Ravino stated it, if every basula has a curl and she didn't have a curl so she's obviously not a basula and when witnesses do come saying that she was a basula they're liars Elo Maravino here's the refinement of his comment Roiv Hanises Basula Yeshlo Curl the majority of virgins that marry as basulos the majority of them have a coil. People speak about it. Not every single one, but the majority of them have a coil. We can say it's the majority of the majority have a coil. But there is a minority of basulos that don't have a coil. The zoo hoil, the ain law coil. 
and the woman featured in our Mishnah who's claiming on her own that she was a Basula, but she doesn't have uh, there's, there isn't public speech about that she doesn't have a kol isra la ruba. She therefore uh, the the rove is weak when it comes to buttress her claim. She's in a weakened position. She can't take advantage of the rove because she doesn't resemble the rove. On the side of the Gemara under the Mivne heading, the structural note, we see Roman numerals one and two are featured. They represent Shnei Lishoinois Alma Nemar Machlokis Rabbi Avo Rav Popo. There is a Machlokis between Rabbi Avo and Rav Popo, and they will be highlighted uh, with a uh, double underline. Uh, what are they arguing uh, uh, concerning what source? do we find them arguing so the Gemorrah the Mishnah said that if there are witnesses that she uh, went to her chuppah with a hinuma that's a sign she was a basula and that will entitle her to collect the 200 zuz is there not something to worry about over here? Valechush Dilma Mafka Edim What she will do is she'll uh, produce the witnesses in this particular court, collect her two hundred zuz. Fahadar Mafka And in a, a second court, call this double dipping, in a second court, she'll whip out her Ksuba document and through the uh, power of the document collect again 200 zuz in a, in a second court that the court that's unaware of what happened in the first court isn't that something to worry about well how can the Mishnah then give license for her to collect her 200 zuz based on the testimony of witnesses this shows that we write a shover a receipt for the man the, uh, this is an issue that's discussed in different Gemaros throughout the Shas when a person pays his debt uh, do we uh, write a receipt for him and expect him to take care of it in the event that he loses the receipt he is actually then subjecting himself to being claimed upon again the uh, issue of having uh, a receipt written places a certain burden on the fellow who paid the money. He has to always be uh, uh, cognizant of the receipt, be uh, uh, careful with it, be aware of its presence, and then keep keep guard of it. So there's a, a bit of a burden that's associated, and that's why it's it's a, it's an issue. Do we? Uh, do we insist on receipts being written or not? So Ravillo says, look, from here you see that the only way to prevent uh, uh, her claiming from him again is it must be that we write a shofar for the husband. And if she tries to claim that uh, she, he still owes her money, he whips out the receipt. Rav Papa says, no, from this Mishnah you cannot conclude that we uh, will insist on writing a receipt. 
as far as if there's not going to be any receipt, is there not a danger that if she collects with the witnesses, she'll whip out the ksuba and collect again? So Papa says, "Bemokayim she'ein kaisvin ksuba askinon." Our Mishnah is talking about a region where ksubos are not written. It's an understanding. It's a takonas based in the courts provide for the woman to receive a payment upon divorce or widowhood. But documents testifying to that are not written in that locale. Therefore, there's no chashash that she'll collect a second time with a ksuba. And if there's no chashash, then there's no reason for writing a shover and expecting the, the husband to keep guard of, uh, keep guard of, the, of, of it. There are those that apply this discussion between Rabbi Avon and Rabbi Papa on a brisa, the following Tanaic source. Up till now, we applied Rabbi Avon and Rabbi Papa's challenge to him uh, as comments on our Mishnah. And Rabbi Papa uh, got the last word in, so to speak, and he said, nah, he says, the Mishnah is referring to a case where they don't write ksubos. Now, we take a look at this brysa. Ibdok ksubosa, ibmino ksubosa, and we should also point out uh, the, this, there might be uh, things that are not clear in this brysa, and the Gemara will deal with a, an actual a rereading of the brysa later on. So bear that in mind as we go along. The source says, She lost the ksuba or she hid the ksuba. Nisrafa ksuba, so that it was, the ksuba was burnt. Roktu lefanea, sochaku lefanea. There are people that can testify that we saw dancing take place at her wedding. Uh, other sochaku lefanea, other levity, other uh, rejoicing. An expression that will be dealt with later on. They passed in front of her the the uh, the cup of basura, oh mapa shel basulim, or the cloth of virginity. Imyesh law edim beechod meelu beechod mikol elu ksubasim If there are witnesses regarding anything mentioned in this source, she'll be entitled to two hundred zuz. So, having read this source, how will a woman be able to collect her 200 zuz? Well, if she produces uh, witnesses to anything uh, that was mentioned, uh, she'll get her 200 zuz. Is there not reason to suspect that maybe she'll produce witnesses that can testify to uh, one of these things mentioned? Uh, and uh, she'll collect her 200 zuz. And then in another basin, she'll whip out her ksuba and collect a second time based on her producing the ksuba, by showing the ksuba. So says, you don't have to worry about her collecting a second time with the ksuba. This therefore leads us to understand that we do write receipts. So, after the husband paid, based on the testimony of those witnesses, the husband got a receipt, he has to now watch the receipt with all the burden that is involved. However, he is secure 
and def- um, protected from a second claim. Rav Papamar, Bemokom Shein Kaisvink Suba Askinon. This source, this Brisa, is talking about a locale where they don't write Suba documents. Now, as the Gemara continues, there's a very rigorous back and forth give and take in the next few lines, and we use the triangle, in the, and you can see under the Mivna heading, it's a Ma'akav, a method of keeping track, where the point facing up is a Kushya, and the inverted triangle is a Tshuva response. The point facing up represents a question, inverted triangle, a response. The Gemara asks, how can Rav Papa say that the Brisa features a place where they don't write Ksubis? It says, in the source, she, she lost her Ksuba. So it was her Ksuba. The Gemara says, the Kosav law ihu. It's a case where the husband on his own, in a private fashion, as opposed to communal practice, on his own, he prepared a Ksuba. Well, self, self, mafka, lava, gavyaba. So, so if it's not a public custom, it's his own doing. Is it? Is, that, is there still not this danger that after uh, that after she collects with the witnesses, she'll? Uh, if, if you're not going to accept the shover idea, we say to Rav Pope, if you're not going to accept that, that the shover idea, so is he not in danger? Is the husband not endangered by the fact that the, the wife will pull out this personal suba and collect a second uh, collection, a second uh, 200 zoos? The Gemara answers, my Ibda. When uh, the source says Ibda Ksubasa, it doesn't mean she just lost it, she might find it later on. Ibda means Ibda Ba'ur. It got lost in the fire. And therefore, there's no chashash that she'll be able to pull it out a second time. So she'll bring, she'll bring witnesses that saw her Ksuba burnt up in the fire. She'll collect. What's there to worry about after that? Nothing. Therefore, as far as Rapapa is concerned, you can't use this source to demonstrate that we write a shovar. There's no need. The Gemara asks, how can you say that Ibda means Ibdabur? Three questions. Number one, then there's redundancy in the source because the source also mentioned Nisrafa. If you're going to say Ibda means burnt, but it already said burnt in the source. What are you going to say about the, the case of her hiding the Ksuba? If she hides it, she'll in fact pull it out later on. And if you're not going to give the guy a shovar, he's going to be collected from a second time. Vesu, and furthermore, Ibda Lomali. What do I need the case of Ibda for? Ella. Thusly, we are to understand the source. There's a new understanding of the source. Call Ibda any case of a woman losing her ksuba ki hitmino bifonenu domi velo yavinon la it's as if she hid she put it away in front of us and we're not going to give her uh, 200 zuz we're not going to pay her the ksuba ad amri edem nisrafa ksubas until witnesses would tell us that the ksuba was burnt let's take a look at Rashi Rashi that we're looking at is further up on the page. Ella, Hachi Komar. Call Ibda any case of lost Ksuba. Kamishit Minamafanenu Dami. It's as if she hid it away from us, hid it away in front of us. Below Gavya, 
and she's not going to collect Vahachi Kotani, and thusly the original source is to be understood. Ibdok Subasa, Hitminok Subasa, Nisrafak Subasa. Imraktu Lifanel Vahule, Vahachi Pirusha. Now the explanation. Omra Avad Shtarak Subasa. Woman says, I lost my Ksuba. Hare he, Kemoshit Minok Subasa, the Fonenu, Kede Lahotzi, the Livvois Pam Shnia. It's as far as we're concerned. It's as if she put it away for being able to collect the second time. In other words, a woman says, Oh, I lost my ksuba, so, so pay me my 200 zuz. I don't have the ksuba. We're not going to pay her the 200 zuz. We'll pay her now the 200 zuz, and she'll pull out the ksuba later on. Vienna goifa klum. Elohim kain tovi hashtar. A woman who says, I lost my ksuba. Sorry, lady, you're not getting anything until you bring the document. If she says, look, I don't have my shtar ksuba because it got burnt, and she has witnesses that can testify they, they saw it burnt. Now there's nothing to worry about. Now, now there's nothing to worry about. Once there are witnesses that say that we saw her ksuba burnt up, she if she produces witnesses that saw dancing taking place in front of her at her wedding, that's a sign that it was a basula wedding. Then and only then would she be able to get the two hundred zuz. So as far as Rav Popa is concerned, uh, the uh, the source uh, he he explained as mokom she'en kaisvink suba. Man demasni law abraisa kol shekein amasnisen. The second version, what we called above Roman numeral number two. The second version that taught Rav Popa responding to Rabbi Avol and saying that we can't conclude from this brisa anything about writing a shovar because this brisa is talking about a place where they don't write a ksuba. If you're going to teach Rav Papa commenting thusly on the brisa, then all the more so he would explain the Mishnah likewise. Uman demasni lo But according to version number one, who had Rav Papa saying that the Mishnah was talking about a case which uh, the Mishnah which entitled her to collect with uh, witnesses that saw her uh, saw dancing in front of her and uh, and not worrying about her collecting again with the Ksuba so uh, Rav Papa said the reason we don't worry about that in the, in the Mishnah because it's a place where they don't write a Ksuba so if you teach Rav Papa that thusly as a uh, an, an interpretation or explanation of the Mishnah but to say that Rav Papa would have said that regarding the Brisa, namely that the Brisa is a Mokam Shein Kaisun Suba, that he wouldn't have said. Because in the Brisa it says explicitly, Ibdok Subasa, she lost her Ksuba. That's a simon that they do write a Ksuba. And in a case like that, uh, you, would, uh, you, would, you would then have to have a Shover in order to protect him from, uh, from being collected a second time. So uh, Rav Popa's approach that we can't conclude 
uh, that we write shovars uh, based on the idea that you're, you're talking about a case where they don't write exuba, that would not have been appropriate to say vis-a-vis the brisa if Rav Papa's comment was essentially made on the Mishnah. We continue. Im yesh edim. We saw uh, if there were witnesses that uh, there was a that was a, she she went to her wedding with a veil on, which is the practice of besulos. Uh, then she collects her two hundred zuz. The gemara Should we not suspect that maybe she'll produce with the called the veil witnesses in this basin and collect two hundred zuz? And then she'll she'll uh, produce uh, veil witnesses in a second basin, in another basin, and collect again. The Gemara says, In a a place, for example, that they don't write Aksuba, and all collection is made based on testimony of witnesses, then, in fact, this Chashash appears, and we would have no choice but to protect the husband through writing a receipt. We saw earlier, uh, amongst the different signs of her being a, of a Basula marriage, shel uh, you can, We have to the immediate left-hand side of the Gemara text a uh, little arrow. If you can align this with the arrow above, you'll see where this uh, quote comes from. The uh, diamond is explained on the side of the Gemara, the, under the Nosei, Mivneh heading, we have a topic heading and structural note, Simonim Shehoisa Basula, signs of her having been a virgin at the, at the time of her wedding. One, Kais Shel Truma. Two, Chavis Shel Yayin. And then we're going to have to explain how do these things show that she was a basula. What's the connection between these practices and her being a basula? The Gemara. My kaisho basura. What does what does that mean? A cup of basura. Literally, basura is an announcement, in, in, informing uh, information. What do you mean by the cup of information? Omar Rav Ado Barava Kois Yayin Shel Truma Ma'avirin Lefaneha. A basula marriage is characterized. They they have this practice of taking a cup of truma. Truma uh, 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 wine. Truma wine. This is wine that was uh, separated as a tithe. Separated as a tithe to be given to Kohanim, and only Kohanim are allowed to consume truma. So they would take a cup of truma wine and pass it in front of her. Klomar, and this would signify Ruya Hoisozu Lechal Betruma. This girl, the girl who's getting married now, if she had married a Kayin, she would be entitled to eat Truma. And why? Because she got married as a virgin and not as a, a woman who was a bu'ula that would have a bu'ula is a woman who had who had already experienced intimacy, and that would have ruined her. On the grounds of harlotry, Maskiflorav Papa, Rav Papa asks, 
how can you explain that the truma means that the cu- the cup of wine means that if she had if, uh, she's a besula a kind of girl that had she married a kohen she would have been entitled to eat truma because this she had never experienced intimacy before. Are you telling me that every that any woman who experienced intimacy before her wedding uh, is not fit to the kahuna unto <laughs> almona milo achla betruma a widow. She lost her husband. She now is going for a second marriage. She chooses to marry a coin, which is totally allowed. And Almona, is she someone not entitled to eat truma? Even though she's not a basula, she's entitled to eat truma. So, what is the association? What is the the hint? Or the... the uh, what's the remez in the kuis yayin shal truma? How does that reflect basula? The Gemara answers, Elam Rapapa Zu Rashis. Ketruma Rashis. The word Rashis um, literally means first. The, the uh, Truma tithe is the first tithe that one separates when he tithes his crops. So just like the Truma is the first tithe, this girl entering the wedding is entering her first experience of intimacy. So that is how truma, which is associated with firstness, is a reflection of her being a basula. Tanya, Rabbi Yehuda, Oimer, Chovis Shel Yayin Mavirin Lefaneha. Rabbi Yehuda says that a sign of a basula wedding is the passage of a barrel of wine in front of her. Omer of Adar Barava, Basula Mavirin Lefaneha Stuma, a basula who gets married, who is entitled to a, a soup of 200 zuz, they pass in front of her a sealed barrel. Of course, the obvious connection, a basula is sealed in an anatomical sense. And in order to reflect that, it's a sealed barrel of wine. If it's a woman who had already had intimacy, she's called a bula. And as such, she does not get a ksuba of 200, she gets a ksuba of 100. There, there was a, the practice was to pass a, pass a barrel of, an open barrel of wine in front of her. The Gemara asks, regarding this practice, Amai, why is that the practice? Uh, there is an alternative suggestion. Never kami basula. Have a barrel of wine passed only in basula weddings. The kami bulula never klau. And when it comes to a non-virgin marriage, no barrel of wine is passed at all. So that the, uh, the sign of a, a basula wedding is that there was a barrel of wine. The Gemara says there's a problem with that. If that would be the general practice, Zinnin, the Tufsa you could have a situation where the woman who uh, in fact was not a basula but she went to a uh, she went without uh, without court approval and she uh, she grabbed 200 zuz as her suba payment the omra and she says ani basula havoy ano basula havoy i was a virgin when i got married and uh, the fact that there was no barrel uh, passed in my, at my wedding is nusiu is nisu. They uh, they they got drunk and they forgot to do it. So that 
what we have created then is a situation that at all weddings there are barrels of wine so that the uh, the woman would not have a, a chance of placing a claim like this that at my wedding there was no barrel and that's only because they were drunk if we take a look at the Rashi uh, four lines from the bottom Zimnin de Tafsa Masayim below Ibaistin without court approval and when we try to extricate it from her based on the absence of witnesses to testify about the barrel and this of course is according to the Havamina that it was only only in Besula weddings would there be a barrel and we would try to claim from her what are you taking the 200 for there was no barrel Omrah she would be able to say the reason there was no barrel there should have been a barrel she'll say but the reason there was no barrel is not because I'm not a, I wasn't a basula. They were drunk because of the wine that served at weddings. Hilkoch hashta asu edim shevil funer psucha Now that the practice is that at all weddings there are barrels, uh, and if it's a beula wedding, it would be an open barrel. So uh, what the woman can claim whatever she likes, but witnesses will come and describe the type of barrel. And she will not be able to keep the 200 sous if she uh, claims she was a psula when the witness is saying it was an open barrel. Tonu Rabbonon. A uh, Tanaic source that begins here and continues uh, down the first few number of lines of Yud Zion Amad Aleph. Uh, begins with a, a phrase that it became very famous and is actually sung at weddings Ketzad Meraktin Lifnea Kala interestingly though if you translate it literally it means how is one to dance in front of a bride we spoke about the uh, dancing in front of brides as a sign of a of a basula wedding but Rashi explains that Ketzad Meraktin Lifnea Kala Rashi says Ma Oimrim Lefonel that when at a wedding, you're in the presence of the bride. What is one to say? Beishamayomrim. We continue at the top of Yud Zayin Aleph. Kala Kamos Shehi. As far as what you say is whatever positive features she has, whatever aspects of beauty she has, say it. Rashi says at the top, according to her, her uh, beauty and her status, you say the praise. The Toysus at the top says, If she has some type of blemish, so then you just remain silent and don't praise her. Inami, uh, uh, alternatively, praise her in some positive aspect that she has. That's Beishamai's approach. We continue in the Gemara Beishila Omrim Kala Noeva Chasuda. You just, you just at a wedding, you say the the uh, the beautiful and 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 righteous bride. Rashi, the Tosfos expression. Uh, on the third line from the top, you're not you say total praise, not just one aspect. 
and the the psychology here is that that the shemazkirin mashi yeshlo l'shvach michlal l'shalegnei. If you say, "Oh, this bride has 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 beautiful eyes," that indicates, yeah, her eyes are beautiful, but the rest of her is not. So I don't don't start with this with this uh, particular type praise. Omar lohan beishamay silo beishamay. Who uh, they they object to basically and they say Harei Imagine the woman is lame or blind. Which which you say the the beautiful uh, uh, the the beautiful uh, pious uh, uh, bride. The Torah objects to people saying lies. Says from lies keep maintain your distance. According to your approach, someone who bought uh, something that's uh, he bought something from the market, that's something that's unappealing, bad purchase. He bought a piece of furniture that, in your eyes, is is, is ugly. He bought it. What do you what do you say to a guy like that? Do you praise it or do you criticize it? You would agree uh, that uh, you would praise it. Teisus uh, says, True that if you walk into someone's house and he has a, he just bought a uh, uh, an article of, a, of a, a, some article, some furnishing that you find uh, unappealing, you nevertheless would praise it. What bothers Beishamai in, in Beishilol is that Beishilol is saying there's a formal uh, a text that one is to say. And that is, is, is something Beishamai cannot accept. That the Chazal would, on a, would, would, would establish a formal text that is not Accurate, a formal text for all brides, even the ugly ones, even the blemished ones, and say beautiful. So the uh, uh, the the brisa uh, continues. Mikan omru chachomim leolam teidaitu shelodem ureves imabrios. Uh, from here we see the that which the Chachomim say. That's from here. Rashi says midivrei beisilel, from from beisilel. That say you should just praise her, uh, un, an unqualified praise. We see that the that, that which the Chachomim teach that a person should always uh, try to uh, uh, conform or fulfill the will of others. Rashi says lasos. Do unto others what they would like to have done unto them. The uh, Gemara will continue. In our, in our next year, we'll see further discussions and illustrations concerning uh, wedding festivities and other kinds of festivities.